Is there any veterans in the room? Could you please stand? Would you? I, I know you don't like attention being drawn to yourself, but would you just stand? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you for your service to our country. Thank you for answering the call. Thank you for doing what you did uh, so that we can have what we have. And uh, we wouldn't, our country wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for people like yourself. And so there's a lot of trash talking about our country right now, but I'll tell you this, uh, none of the trash talkers are leaving the country. So we thank you for your service, and uh, we are honored, we are honored uh, to have you in our midst today. So um, I hope you had a good Veterans Day on Friday. And uh, for those of you here that are not veterans, uh, which is most of you, it seems as though, uh, maybe uh, honor the veterans in your life by asking them to tell you what is the greatest thing you learned during your service. You know, and mind some of the lessons that they've learned and uh, you can benefit from their service by hearing their story. Amen? Story is everything and this is where we find ourselves in our series, uh, As For Me and My House. Uh, we are serving of the Lord. And... Uh, and so one of the things that we're looking at is we're looking at stories, okay? Now, a lot of you don't realize this, but um, in the Hebrew tradition, which is the Old Testament, uh, we see a lot of stories. And a lot of times people tried to mine truth by the fact of the story. But a story doesn't have to be fact in order for it to have truth, Right? A lot of stories. I, I used to tell the kids lots of stories uh, that had no facts in them at all, and, but they told the truth. Okay? Now, many of the stories uh, of the Bible, I don't even know what percentage of them, are actual historical facts. But many of them are written for the sole purpose to give us the truth that God wants us to know. And as we go through these stories, whether they are actual historical events or they are um, metaphors or allegories to help us learn a truth, like the prodigal son, uh, I would say that the goal would be is to find the truth and insert it into your life. Even historical facts can have truth that can affect your today life right? So today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about story that comes from the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy, which is a book written by Moses. And uh, we're going to, this is kind of like his farewell message uh, in that Joshua is the one that took him into the promised land, but Moses is the one that took him out of Egypt on their way to the promised land. And this sermon comes up, these three sermons that are in the book of Deuteronomy, they come up to help us establish ourselves and establish our homes. 
So as we get ready to go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just ask you to breathe life into this message today. And in such a way that it would be inserted into the everyday life in which we live. Help us bring it home to our family. Help us bring it home to our house, the people we influence. In Jesus' name, amen. Title of my message today is Make Everything Spiritual. Make Everything Spiritual. You know, um, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter uh, 8, starting with verse 11, they're outlining this, uh, Moses is outlining this idea that when things go well for you, sometimes you can forget who helped you make them well, okay? And when things go bad, it's, it's, it's interesting with how we look at God. Um, when things go our way, we, uh, we forget to honor the Lord. And when things don't go our way, we hold God accountable. And we're like, okay, God, if you were real, why wouldn't you do this, right? Why wouldn't you fix that? How come you allowed this to happen? But when things are going well, we, f we don't hold that same accountability towards ourselves. You see what I mean? And so what I would suggest is that we listen to this uh, with the ears of the day in which we live. We live in a pretty uh, affluent country. And even uh, out here where we live, you know, to buy a home right now is unreachable, unattainable by many, many people. And uh, most of our households have two cars. We have two garage door openers. And uh, we're able to drive into our house without even seeing a neighbor. Uh, and we're able to enjoy all the electronics that we want and need. All of our kids have laptops and, or iPads or something that, in order to do their homework at home. And so we live in a life that sometimes we forget that this is very rare. And if you live in the worst house in Maple Valley or Covington or Black Diamond, you're in the best house in some cities around the world. And so let's keep that in our mind as we're reading this, starting with verse 11. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and your gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did this so that you would never say to yourself, I've achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. You know, I think sometimes we can be really proud of the life that we built. It's really easy to do that. Uh, in them, not acknowledge the Lord thy God, who gives us the power 
okay? So I'm going to read that again, verse 17. He did all this so that you would never say to yourself. Notice this. We would never say this to somebody else, and if we do, we're pretty prideful. But we can say it to ourselves. I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one that gives you the power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Excuse me. But I assure you of this. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow after other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you'll certainly be destroyed. Boy, do we see that or what today? You know, people have this amazing experience with God. And after a while, they get comfortable. Pretty soon, they don't need God. Well, first, it starts with, we don't need the church. And then pretty soon, it goes from there. So, well, I'll just be a Christian at home, and, and, and I can center my whole worship experience around myself. And, and that happens. But then it goes from there. It's like, oh, I'm doing so good on my own. I don't need God. And so, when, we start, when we're talking about me and my house, we have to recognize that it, there's this trap that Moses warns us about here in Deuteronomy 8. He's saying, hey, look, when things start to go well, don't start placing all the focus and the attention on you. Remember to bring it back to God, okay? So now, let's go f- forward up to chapter 11, and we got another passage. And so what, what Moses is doing is Moses knows he's not going to get them into the promised land. But he knows that they will get there because God had, had instructed him to take them there. And so he's preparing them for when they do cross over the Jordan and go into the land of the Canaanites, he knows that there's going to be a lot of temptations to follow the gods of that culture. They're very pagan gods. They were, they were sacrificing to the god of Moloch. They were bringing their firstborn children, sacrificing them to that God. It was a very wicked and perverse and debased people. So God is bringing these God-centered people into this land to take over and replace the idols with the one and only true God. And so he's reminding them that, hey, look, you, when things start going well for you, don't forget who brought you out of Egypt. We went through that wilderness experience. We spent 40 years out here. And we, pursue, uh, we, we continued to work out in our community what it means to serve God. We set up laws. We got commandments from the Lord. And we started following them, and it protected our community and kept us from getting all kinds of sicknesses and disease. Don't forget that. Don't forget that the way you were raised as a Christian, some of you, protected you and redeemed you from so many things that could have happened to you that never did happen to you because your parents were overboard, because your parents were intentional. Because your parents sowed seeds of life into you. Don't ever forget that. Okay? Some of us never had it, but we're going to give it to our kids. Some of us never gave it to our kids, but we're going to give it to our grandkids. Some of us never gave it to our grandkids, but we're going to start now. 
Okay, so look at this. In Deuteronomy 11, uh, Moses had given them the Ten Commandments and the different laws that protected them and kept them focused on the things of God. And he says this in verse 18, commit yourself wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them around, uh, tie them to your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. Now, this is really interesting uh, how Moses is taking this from being a spiritual concept or spiritual laws and converting it into everyday mundane things, okay? He's using the natural to trigger the spiritual. Are you following me? He's taking natural things and triggering it to spiritual. Jesus takes it to a whole nother step further when he shows up years down the road. Jesus starts going, hey, look at the farmer. Look how he sows the seed. Look at the seed. Look how it grows. First the seed, then the blade, then the ear, then the full kernel in the ear. And he starts teaching spiritual concepts using non-spiritual verbiage, non-spiritual examples. Are you understanding what I'm saying? What's he trying to do? Jesus and Moses both set up triggers in our thinking that makes God show up everywhere you go in, in everything that you do. So what I would like to invite you to do is to look at your influence and your family, whether you are uh, a senior in a, uh, um, a senior living facility or you're a, a mother of preschoolers or you're a family of five or you're a group of young people doing devos after church or after school. Insert this concept into that realm that everything teaches and everything speaks. Everything natural actually contains the spiritual if you look for it, if you look for it. So I love this where it says, commit yourself wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Commit, that means ongoing. It, this is a reoccurring thing. This is a decision that you make that in the morning you make it again. And the next day, his mercies are new every morning, so is your commitment. Because that's how you roll. That's how we do this, right? So I invite you to consider committing to these words of, of Moses and to commit to the words of Jesus and to commit to the words of Scripture because that's what's going to cause you to prosper and that's what's going to get you into the, through the darkest of times. The Scriptures were not meant to just bring you good stuff. God is not here just so that you can just walk in blessing. He wants you to walk in blessing, but part of the blessing is being able to walk through hell and still come out on top, still come out victorious, okay? 
And so he never says that when you serve me, hey, you won't ever have another problem. You will never be sick. You'll never have another problem. No, no. But when you have the Lord thy God, that he gives you the power to be successful and to create wealth and to, and to overcome and to heal and to, and to be delivered and all those kinds of things. When you got him with you, you always know there's going to be an end to this. I mean, I had a tough health week this week, but I know the end is coming. It's almost here, just not yet, but it's coming, right? Because I know who I walk with. I know how the end's going to be. All right, so let's, l- let's look at this a little further. Look down here where it says, tie them to your hands, wear them on your forehead. In other words, two things. When you tie things to your hands, it's a reminder of the things that you do with your hands, especially in this contrast, in this culture. In order to make a living, you had to use your hands. And so, whether it's a farmer, or you're making shoes, or you're making whatever it is that you're doing, your, your hands are everything. And so, basically, the, the things of God need to be uh, in your everyday, the things that you practice, the things that you do, the, things that you, the places that you go, and the things that you put your hand to. Tie them on your hands so that when you're working, you're thinking about the things of God. Okay? And then, put it before your eyes is what you choose to look at. What you choose to look at determines your future. We move towards our most dominant pictures in our minds. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> hey, Salman, if I go like this, can you just mute me? Because <laughs> I might want to get a real good one out. And... Uh, <laughs> I did say that. (laughs) I'm sorry, live stream. If you had headphones on, sorry. Uh, What do you have your eyes set on? What do you allow into your eyes? The eyes are the window of the soul. And so he wants us to intentionally be looking at the things of God. So now I want to show you seven ways, real quickly, we're going to go through this, seven ways to make natural things more spiritual. In other words, just maybe have the mindset of, let's make everything spiritual. Let's make everything spiritual. And this is a way that we can reach our kids. This is a way that we can reach our families. This is a way that we can reach those around us. These are some natural ways, some you know, sometimes people divide secular from the spiritual. I think, that, I think that that serves us wrong sometimes because I think that you can pull something spiritual out of everything that is secular. And I think that you can take something that is spiritual and communicate it with secular words. Are you following me? Okay. So um, let's look at seven different ways that we can do this because I really want this to be practical because I think that sometimes when we talk about me and my house, we think about, well, you know, our house, you know, there's just not much God stuff going on in there. And, and so you think that because you see on Sunday, you see 
the, the team up here uh, leading worship, and the, you see the prayer team praying, and then you see somebody preaching up here and stuff like that, you think, and then you try to relate, okay, that's my spiritual world right there, and then you look at your house, and you go, oh, man, we suck, and, and it's like, and, and, and then you don't, and you think, I don't know how I'm going to get praise and worship going in the morning. I don't think my kids are going to get up, you know, and um, I don't, with Bible study, I don't even know where to start with Bible study. And I, I you know, so if I'm going to be in me in my house, I'm going to have to teach them a lot of the Bible. And I just, I'm not even very good at teaching homeschool, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so, so I want to give you a practical way, a simple way to make sure that your house is covered, to make sure that your house is a place, and when, again, our house is not just our home. It's our, where we, our influence is, where you can pull the best out of it. Okay, so you ready? You got your pencil? Yeah. You got your journal ready? Yeah. Okay, let's start out with conversation start, starters, okay? Uh, one of the things that you can do to, uh, that the scripture is telling us is teach your children, okay? And in other words, be intentional with your kids, Okay, but teach those that you have influence. We have a couple of business people in here that, that literally get their employees that want to and want to engage. We'll get them together and they'll have little Bible studies. That's great. But what's even better is when they get in the truck or when they get on the job site in the field and they're having some conversations about the things of God. This is how I got saved. This is how I gave my life to Jesus. I was in the shipyard I was, I was far from God, didn't, I mean, I wasn't against God, I wasn't against anything of God, but I just wasn't living in a way that would be re uh, representations of, of God. And there was a guy in there that was interested in my family and asked me about my mom who was struggling with mental problems. And he took an interest in me and he had, he had my family as his conversation starter. And so even though that con the conversations were never God-centered conversations in a sense, it was a strategy he used to become my friend. And as he became my friend, he found the open door to insert God into those conversations. And so one of the things I would strongly encourage you to do in order to get Deuteronomy into your, Deuteronomy 11 into your home and into your in, in is look for conversation starters. And one of the things that I, we did when we were a young family is we did a thing called high-low funny. And we would sit around the, a table and we'd have dinner and we'd talk about the, the, everybody would take turns and somebody would start out and I'd say, what was the high of your day, the low of your day, and the funniest part of your day? High-low funny. And so... We'd go around, and we'd, each person would share what their high was, and we would go around the whole table. And then we'd go, what was your low? All the way around. And then what was your funny? And so it always would end funny, which lightened the mood, which made us want to have seconds. And it was really awesome. It was a good family bonding thing. But it also opened up the door for conversations. Say, what do you think God would say about this? Are you, are you following me? So when you, when you intentionally look for conversation starters, this is a really good opportunity to have influence and bring God home using something in the natural, which is just conversation. 
Uh, one of the other things is, is at mealtimes, you know, you pray for your meals. What if you just instituted that? Uh, and after you're done saying a prayer for the meal, say, say, do you remember praying for the meal when you were a kid? Maybe you're with a group of friends. Hey, hey, do you mind if I say a prayer for the meal? And then after you're all done, just say, did you guys pray when you were kids? You open up the door to a conversation. You ask a question. But you use the prayer as an opportunity for a conversation starter. Okay. Um, what about owies? With little kids. Little kids get owies. You know, uh, right now our grandkids, if you get a little bit of a redness in your finger, they want a Band-Aid. Okay? And, uh, but it's a conversation starter and how God made our bodies to heal. So I said, did you know that that little cut is going to heal and you know why it's going to heal? Because when God made your body, he designed it to heal. And he does the same thing with your heart. If you ever get, if, if somebody ever says something that breaks your heart or hurts your heart, don't worry because it'll heal just like your finger's going to heal. Do you see what I'm saying? You take advantage of owies. This is what we do. As for me and my house, we take advantage of owies. Okay? The kids come home and they're sick from school. And they're, the first thing that everybody says nowadays is, oh, you got COVID? No. There's still a thing called colds. You use that opportunity to pray. And you use that opportunity to cover. To say, hey, remember, God makes our bodies to heal. Don't worry. We're going to do this. And it's a great opportunity to say, you know, I think if we, if we amp up on the vegetables... Bullies, they come home and there's a bully at school. Bullies are a great opportunity for the Lord. And just say, what do you think that God would want you to do? He does say pray for our enemies. Do you think that, that he is an enemy? Kind of? Well, yeah. Oh, let's pray for the bully. Let's pray for him. And then maybe let's look for an opportunity to have lunch with them. And so you have a little conversation starter. And all of a sudden, you're just inserting really naturally into the family, a conversation that includes God. So even bullies bring up God. Here's the second thing, common language. Common language. Uh, I try, and I even do this at church, I try to illustrate spiritual things and concepts and theology using words that aren't necessarily christian ease words or Christian words. I try to describe everything as much as I can through secular language illustrating spiritual things so that people that aren't used to spiritual language can pick up spiritual things. Are you following me? And so when we use common language to illustrate spiritual things, this is really good, okay? And so what I would encourage you to do is to think when you're trying to explain something, it's way better to talk about things through languages that people are using all the time as opposed to a language that people use only in church. Are you following me? Okay, and so uh, 
you can, you can teach your kids by the way that you say things. Like, for instance, let's just say that there's some bad behavior that is unscriptural. You can say, well, the Bible says this, and the Bible says that, and the Bible says this and that. Or you can say, hey, dude, that's not how we roll. It's not? Why isn't? Well, we learn this. When you read through the scriptures and you read in the Bible, you, talk, you see things that Jesus said, you recognize that, that in order for us to follow him, we got to make some changes in our lives. And so this isn't how we roll. So we need to make a change here. So you're using more of a common language as opposed to just a spiritual language. If your kids are going up to kids at school and saying, well, the Bible says you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> it's not going to go over so good. Okay? And so you have to teach them how to take spiritual, powerful, theological concepts and break them in, into fifth grade language, into seventh grade language, into the language of the culture. And so that, so that now you're accurately communicating. Now, the, when the day of Pentecost came, the interesting thing that happened was that everybody heard the gospel in their own language. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they started speaking in other languages, they went out of the upper room and they went there and people heard the gospel proclaimed in their own language. It had never been done before. And the reason that it happened was, well, I mean, the reason it had never been done before is because the people that were communicating the things of God were speaking Hebrew. And when they spoke the things of God, the Hebrew language was associated with God talk. It was associated with God concepts, the one true God. And so they kept everything. Remember when the Catholic Church only spoke Latin? People are sitting in a Latin church and they're like not understanding a thing they're saying. <laughs> But they're going to church. That's the way our kids are. They're, they're hearing you talk about spiritual things, but they're hearing it through spiritual words, and they're not hearing it through the language of their own day. So what we want to do is we want to teach spiritual things with language that they can understand. Okay? Here's another thing. Uh, interpret creation. It's another way to bring God into your home, into your life, into your realm. You know, uh, creation speaks. Creation speaks. And we need to get really good at taking advantage of, of the gift that God has given us through creation. When you're standing, I, I remember standing at Blue Lake with a, a group of uh, teenage uh, kids uh, looking over the big canyon area up there the stars were out. We were out rattlesnake hunting, looking for rattlesnakes on this one road, and we were going to, uh, uh, not going to tell you what we were going to do, but, um, <laughs> but we were looking for rattlesnakes. Let's just put it that way. And so we were standing at this lookout place uh, overlooking the canyon, and, and the stars were out. It was bright, big sky, but you could see the moonlight was shining down on the, uh, uh, the Columbia River. And it was really cool. It was awesome. And uh, somebody just says, gosh, you know, when you stand here, you just realize how big God is. And all of a sudden, now, our experience has God showing up. 
because somebody let creation speak. You're in a fishing boat. Isn't it peaceful out here? Isn't it awesome what God has made? You're sitting around a fire. Say, hey, you know, isn't it cool how the light reflects off of our faces and you can just you can just kind of, it's almost like the Spirit of God is just like lighting everything up here. And you just take a moment of creation, something of, the, of nature, and all of a sudden you turn it into a conversation. You're out golfing and you're like, oh man, isn't this golf course beautiful? You ever notice that everything that God does with creation, he has to maintain it? But everything God does with creation, it maintains itself. You know, kind of like the rainforest. The rainforest just maintains itself, and it'll be, look the same way in 800 years, unless man messes it up, right? But the golf course, if you stop maintaining the golf course, it's going to look different in two weeks. It's the difference between the creation of man and the creation of God. Let creation speak. You have conversations like that. They're easy to come up with. And, it's, and there's, not, you can't, there's, not a, there's not an incorrect interpretation. It's whatever he speaks. Because God speaks through his creation. In fact, the scripture tells us in Romans that we're without excuse. Because all you have to do is look at creation. You've got no excuse for not believing in God. Let's look at number four. Ready? Number four. Entertainment. Entertainment can, uh, is, is kind of a natural thing, right? It's kind of a, can even be very, it can be very secular, it can be very worldly, uh, but entertainment is an oppor- opportunity for you to get the word into your kids and into your family. Have you ever thought of going to a worship concert, buying a ticket, and going to see a worship concert? Oh, man, I remember. Do you remember the time we went and saw that concert at uh, Outside? At uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sounds like Marymount Park. Yeah, um, third, day. third day. It was third day, and we took the kids out there. Shelby brought a cooler of water and was selling water all over the place. And uh, and uh, but we sat down in lounge chairs and just sat there with the big sky and the concert playing. And those guys sang the word. And for two, three hours, we just sat there and heard the word being sung to us over and over again. It was awesome. It was awesome. You can intentionally do that with your family. But some of us have never done anything spiritual when it comes to entertainment. But you can do that. The other day, we had the grandkids over, and the kids were asking about angels. And so I thought, oh, well, let's see if we can find Touched by an Angel on the thing. Because that was a show that we showed our kids when they were little. And, uh, well, I think it's like 30 years old now. And uh, so I find it. And uh, Hayden was specifically enamored by that show. And she was watching it. And she was trying to identify which ones were angels. And it created a whole conversation about angels. And at night, Papa, tell us a story, because they were spending the night a couple nights this week. Tell us the story about, um, about angels, like real angels. So I told them a story about their Uncle Cameron, where we really believed that an angel showed up. 
And, uh, and they love that. Can you tell some more stories about angels? So I said, well, I can tell you how we see in the Bible, it says that sometimes we are in the presence of angels and we are not aware of it. it tells us that in the Bible. So sometimes we're talking to people. Some of you are sitting next to an angel right now. Some of you are not. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times our entertainment led us on the camping, on the, in the camping world. We got a pop-up tent trailer and we went camping with the kids. And, but when we'd sit around the fire, there'd be these opportunities uh, and somebody would show up with a guitar and they'd start singing and Inevitably, usually it started out with some, you know, 70s tunes. And, uh, and then uh, eventually would worship music would get weaved into that. And it was just such a natural thing. And then people would just slowly start singing. And so we'd sing around the fire. What started out to be entertainment and vacation turned into be a God focus. Now, why am I saying simple little things like this? Is because this is what forms our focus. Yeah. It's important, okay? Can't tell you how many times I've been on hikes. I used to take high school students on hikes, and every single time, we'd be sitting around cooking food on the fire, and conversations would come up about the things of God. Use your entertainment. Use the things of God to show up in entertainment in pastimes. Number five, missteps and offenses. Missteps and offenses. When you blow it and you apologize, when you are too harsh, and you rethink your approach. We call that repentance, to rethink. And so when you begin to recognize that even your missteps, the things that you do wrong can be used to teach your kids a lesson, can be used to teach your spouse a lesson, because your spouse needs a lot of lessons. <laughs> You're probably not gonna be the one that teaches it to them, but they can learn lessons they can learn lessons when you take the time to say, you know what, the other day I was, I was off. I'm sorry. I was harsh. I came off short. And I really don't want that to be the spirit of our home. And I, I'd like, I just want to say I'm sorry. Um, and you just keep it as awkward and as authentic as it needs to be. It just is. It's always awkward to start out with an apology, but it always ends well when it's from the heart. And so missteps and offenses, you know, when somebody offends you, it's a great time when the kids come home and they talk about an offense that they had at school from their teacher, from their friends at school. I, Hayden came home the other day and she said, my best friend um, didn't want to play with me. And she told me that she didn't want to be my friend anymore. And she, her, her feelings were really hurt. I said, honey, I, I bet you God will show you a way to bring your friend back into that best friend position that she was once at. 
I think God, only God can fix things like that. I said, so let's pray. So we prayed. Next day, she was back, best friends with her. <laughs> Which probably would have happened anyway. But in her, you know, I mean, she, she totally, she now knows that when you pray, good things happen. Right? So missteps and offenses, and some of us could uh, use a lesson on that, because every time you don't forgive somebody, every time you hold grudge against somebody, you're teaching people how not to do it. And your spirit is affecting the people around you. This is how it works. But every time you repent and you say, hey, I'm sorry, I, I, need, to, I, I need to let you know that I, for, I forgive you for this. I've been holding this against you for a while. Man, everybody learns from that too. It's awesome. So missteps and offenses. When somebody offends you, you give it, teach the kids and just say, you know, I, I had this bummer situation that happened with this guy today. And uh, what do you think I should do about it? And listen to the wisdom of an eight-year-old and see what they say. And they'll probably lead you back to the things of God, especially if God is a part of your world. Number six, we use temptations, tests, and trials. Always. Always. Temptations, tests, and trials happen to everybody, everywhere. So make sure that they send you back to God. When you're being tempted, when you're going through a trial, when you're having an issue, always ask yourself, which part of God's word, which part of the God experiences you've had need to be put into place right here? Which one? Or you can just react and be pissy. You can react and say, why me? You can blame God. You can blame your spouse. You can blame whatever you want. Your boss, your kids, your dad, your mom. You can do all that. Compare how many wrongs have happened to you and all the tests that you had to go through and count them all up and you see your, your friend that hasn't had any. And then you go, this is just not right. You can focus on that all you want or you can just go back to what God says. In James, it says, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations, tests, and trials because it's the, the trying of your faith that works patience. You see, everything works together for good with God everything. He will spin the whole thing around if you let him. Everything. Your worst thing that's ever happened to you has the most godly message right in the middle of it if you take the opportunity to look for it. It'll show up. And the last one. This is probably the most important. We pray the secret, sacred words. We pray the sacred words. What are the sacred words? The word of God. The things that have been around for thousands of years. Oh, you can use, you know, we, we use, uh, I shared with you earlier, use secular words to describe spiritual things. 
But what you want to hold dear to your heart is the scriptures that have lasted for thousands of years. And you put that in your heart and memorize those key verses that keep coming up in your heart. I've got like 10 really key verses that I use all the time, sometimes daily. And you put those in your heart so that you would not sin against God. So you pray the sacred words. You pray them. You insert them into your prayer. You memorize the scripture. Then you take that, that, that scripture and you look for ways to insert it into a prayer. Maybe the prayer for your meal or the prayer for the kids when they're hurt or the, the prayer for loved ones when they're, they're hurting and they've got issues. And so you insert that, the scripture. So when you're, you're praying, you're not just using your own words, but you're using the words of God. Pray those sacred words. And as you do, your house will be covered. And pretty soon, you'll see things start to pop up in your house that show that there's indication that God is now residing real to life right here in our own home. Amen? I hope that's helpful for you today. I want to pray a prayer of creativity over you right now that God would show you a creative way to not just do exactly what I just said, but to allow it to inspire you to do what's appropriate for your home. Amen? Lord, I, here, just take your hands and just open them up like this, if you would. Like, like you're receiving something or catching something or allowing something to come into your soul. Lord, I pray all around this room right now that a spark of creativity would come into the hearts of every person to be able to take this message and insert it into the drama of their life, into the family in their life, to the trials of their life, to the success of their life. And Lord, as they begin to remind themselves of the fact that you're the one that shows up in the successful times and in the difficult times, you're the constant, you're the one. Help us be creative in reminding our family that. Help us establish a culture in our home where you are center and you are Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, um, our prayer team is gonna be up here. And I'm telling you, some of the most amazing testimonies come out of these guys when they pray. So I encourage you, if you're going through something right now that you need prayer for, or you're ready to start a walk with Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to come up and have them pray for you. If you've never been baptized in water, now listen, sometimes we hear the baptism announcement month after month after month after month, and it just goes in one ear and out the other. If you've never been publicly baptized and you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you want to follow after the things of God, I encourage you, get signed up for baptism. Get over the fear of standing up in front of people. You don't have to say anything. All you have to do is have a willing heart and a desire to say, today, I am burying the old me and coming up the new me. Amen? So let's do that. Let's get signed up for baptism today. Let's see, it's next Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, next Sunday. So get signed up in the lobby today. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.